Hey everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Everything in Me. It's your host, Sam, back with another episode. And this is actually going to be a four-part series, and I'm calling it Mother's Month. So Mother's Day is May um, 14th, and it is a Sunday, and it is an opportunity to celebrate mom or mothers of the world. Um, This can be a biological mom, a non-biological mom. It could be a mother figure. It can be anyone who has given you mother-like experiences. Um, I don't want to label it to say it can only be one because that's impossible and that doesn't exist for everyone. So um, the major part of it all is just being able to um, acknowledge, show gratitude and appreciation Now, I did want to limit it to one episode, which would have been the 12th. I decided to extend it for the entire month because there's so many different areas that I can cover when it comes to motherhood. I'm a godmother of many kids, and I am a stepmom of one, um, actually two. And um, I wanted to touch on that, and I wanted to touch on just the evolution and just me as an individual, but other mothers and that sort of stuff. So In this episode this week, we're going to be talking about ourselves. So self-love, worth, esteem, growth, views, individuality, faith, everything dealing with the self as an individual, as a female, identifying as a female. Um, You know, it's quite interesting because I kind of came up with this literally like 30 minutes ago in the car where I just felt like, you know, we need a little bit more, you know, as women, we need a little bit more because of the beauty that we hold and that we share to the world. And I felt like just one episode wasn't going to cut it. And I also felt like even in this four part, there's so much more that can be covered, can be discussed upon. And everything in me was based on my viewpoints when it comes to life and the things that I was absorbing and the things that I've learned about females and, and womanhood and the things that um, we endure and the things that we um, experience. And so I wanted to make sure that I spent some time with that because I think that we get brushed over a lot of the times because as you know, usually we are um, providing a service, if you will. So we're usually serving the, our community, others, our children, um, our, you know, our bosses, our colleagues, we're always the ones shifting or not always, not all of us at that. So I want to clarify that it's not every single woman. Um, it's not every single mother who is expected to, um, or mother like figure, um, that is expected to provide a service, but uh, historically, a lot of the times our roles were identified, if not glorified in that space. And so, um, I thought it was important to, to, for the listeners or just people who are curious and that sort of stuff. And if this is your first time checking out everything in me, welcome. Um, definitely browse around. There's a lot more here. Um, but I wanted to just kind of take a step back and, and, and remove, not even remove, put the title to the side and start to, you know, show the layers as a person, um, you know, starting with self-love, that is a very complicated, um, challenging, um, evolutionary like experience that you can have within yourself. And it's definitely not for the faint, um, self-love is, can be the smallest of things. It can be the grandest of things. And I think that learning self-love in a way that you recognize it from yourself is one of the greatest challenges. For example, for many years, I never realized, and I just actually realized this recently, when I pray for other people, 
that seems common. That seems normal. That seems expected. But it wasn't until Sunday, actually, and this is a little bit of a bit of faith here, um, where praying for myself came up. And I was like, I don't know if I've really done that or emphasized that. I don't think I've ever been the vessel for that. I think I've always assumed that you need to pray for others and you need to uplift others, but including yourself seems selfish. And that's not something that I recognize as being essential or important, but the reality is um, you cannot pray for others if you, you're not where you're supposed to be or where you got it. Now, I talked about this in my other episodes, but health-wise, I wasn't doing too well recently. And it was just a basically experience where <clears throat> I realized my range of motion as far as um, the injuries that I sustained in 2017 with an accident um, really shifted kind of like my mobility and I have to be more conscious about the things that I do in order to not basically cause further damage in my body. And, um, you know, I went to church and I asked for them to pray for me and never thinking to pray for myself. And it was a, it was a very interesting aha, you know, to say that, hold on, I could be on the table as well too, you know? And, and I think that's, that's something that when it comes to love of just saying like, I can be on the table too. We, you know, we struggle with that because we don't view ourselves as a person in need. And that's the challenging part because a lot of times we are, we're overdue actually, but we don't get to fully commit to that because it seems as though we're taking away from others when we do so. But if we were doing for others, it would be okay. And so it's it's an interesting and radical and unfortunate space to be in, but I, I urge you to change that. Now, self-love, you know, can can feel and look in different ways. Now, one of the things that I find to be really, really interesting is that self-love can evolve over time. For instance, depending on what you're going through in life and what you're dealing with in life, self-love can mean buying, you know, yourself a beautiful steak that you really enjoy. As you grow, you know, either grow up or different things happen, it could be something as easy as like, I love myself enough to take myself away from a situation, even though it's going to cause a lot of friction and a lot of chaos. That's choosing myself over the situation and not subjecting myself to be in that circumstance. That is a huge, like, owed to you, a, you know, a vow to yourself, <clears throat> upholding that vow that you have for yourself. That alone is, it speaks volumes, you know, in so many ways. And that's a part of your testimony. Self-love can mean no matter what I go through in life, I'm always going to make sure that I'm, I, I recognize myself. I recognize who I am externally, internally, and I'm going to fight to make sure that I, I find, you know, meet myself in that middle point in that space where I'm really, really happy with who I am and where I'm headed and what I'm about. Um, that self-love can, can go really, really far. Um, you know, with, with your worth, that is challenging because, when you're calculating your worth, sometimes it's external things that you weigh onto, meaning like outcomes that you've been able to have, successful outcomes, or it could be um, data that you've been able to um, produce. Um, it could mean that there were just moments in which you really revolutionized the experience that other people were having or even yourself was having or the changes you created. 
Um, and self-worth again is going to evolve over time as you look or value different things. Um, and you have access to different things and you're able to produce or to manage or to create different things. Now, it's interesting because my self-worth historically had been wrapped up in the outcome of experiences that others had with me. So if I knew I could make someone happy, that mean I that means that my worth was super high because I could almost guarantee that with me you would be happy. Um, it didn't really align itself with the fact that my values and my ability to love or to live um, was enough. That that just alone was enough. Knowing I was a good person in this world made my worth high. That That's not how I, I calculated it. Now I feel relatively a lot different because I feel like I have put in the necessary work to just make sure that I am, I am deeply invested in myself and my well-being and I'm as, a th- as authentic as I can be. So I say that because sometimes when you are authentic, some people don't recognize that. They don't understand it. They don't see that. They don't get it. And so it it, it really presents a little bit of a challenge when you're trying to um, just make sure that you are representing yourself accordingly. Now, this can be really challenging depending on the settings that you're in when you're code switching or you're trying to you know, deal with a trigger experience. Um, but I think my worth more than anything else has really solidified itself to be something that I recognize as a form of love, you know, and, and it ties into that. And I am, I'm very proud of that. And that's not something that happened overnight. And even just this mindset and this approach to things, nothing really came overnight. There's no way it would have, (laughs) there's no way it doesn't work like that. Um, my self-esteem. Now that is a fluctuating experience. Um, my self-esteem was definitely leaning towards my body and the type of body that I had. And at at given moments, um, just my body self-esteem, I feel like is wrapped up in that self, you know, in that experience. But then there's other sides of things where, um, I noticed like just taking the risks behind, like, um, doing this podcast, speaking up in a room full of people that you feel like you don't belong in, making a decision that is major and could really adjust your life, you know, where it's projected to be. Um, that kind of like self-esteem is something that I just, I didn't, I didn't credit, um, myself for, and, you know, women being, or some women being more risk adverse, it's really, really challenging. And, tricky, um, only because of the fact that we are, the way that we are conditioned, the way that we are, you know, um, represented, um, does not give us the inner workings of getting to this place. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about everything in me is because my goal is to break down all of the viewpoints and all of the thoughts that we all have once had at one way or another, in a way that we can understand what's the foundation of that, that we are sitting on, or we are 
pointing towards or that we are, you know, including in this conversation. Once you understand the root of it all, then you can decide whether or not that's considered a beautiful blossoming opportunity, or if that's just a weed that I miscalculated or or thought that was an actual plant or something that was fruitful. And it's really not. Um, And with self-esteem being that a lot of it is wrapped up in, you know, view looks, you know, a lot of the times it's hard when they say overall you're you're a 10 or you're a nine or you're a three, but maybe your hair is where all the value is placed. Everyone has the things that they're most excited about or they feel good about. And there's some things that don't. So that's, you got to look at the entire pot. And then beyond that, there's the the courage that you have to show up in rooms that maybe you're not wanted or show up in places that you're trying to change, you know, the narrative, show up in places where you're changing your future, your legacy, what people see. There's someone who looks up to everyone, you know, everyone looks up to someone. And it's one of those things that I don't think we fully recognize or acknowledge when it comes to trying to become something and recognize the, the power that we have within you know, as we grow and as we really, really focus on growth and recognize growth, it can be extremely intimidating because our expectations of where we should grow and where we should be nine times out of 10 or are a lot farther than what can actually happen. Now, it's not because we don't want to see that happening. It's not because we don't want that to happen. It's the fact that with it happening, it causes a do or die kind of feeling, you know, where, okay, am I going to take this jump? How do I take this jump? Where can I find, you know, the landing? How can I figure it out? How can I put things together? How make it make sense? Um, and the scariest part of it all is that a lot of times there's no one clapping. There's no one, you know, keeping tabs, collecting data, making sure that we're on the right path. There's no, none of that. That is a self-motivated, self-regulated, experience. And if we struggle with accountability, and I'm raising my hand sometimes where we struggle um, in meeting those deadlines or putting forth that effort because we get distracted or we feel unworthy. Listen, imposter syndrome is very much real. Okay. Very much real. There's a lot of spaces in which I feel like I just don't belong. I don't even know how I got here. Like in front of me is my, um, my gallery wall. And I'm looking at myself in a, in a magazine. And I'm like, that is unreal. That is not, who is that? Who is that person? That's insane. You know, I don't, I don't associate myself with that experience. And the reality is we don't get to control the growth. We don't get to control the rate. We don't get to control the um, areas or the rooms that we fill up. You know, we get to just control the effort essentially that we put into certain things. And sometimes because of divine energy, because of the universe, even if we put minimal effort, because we belong in that space, the impact is, is massive. You know, it's great. And we just have to participate more in the things that we love and the things that we support and align ourselves with those, those values. It is extremely hard, even as a mother to starve our distractions because there's so many things pulling and expecting and wanting and hoping and there's so many people in this world that fall short of that because 
of the overarching, like, listen, negative vibes and negative experiences because of how we were raised a lot of times, their value was higher. It was more important. If you look at the news, if you look at gossip, if you look at, um, you know, people telling stories, usually the negative part of it all is where the, the energy kind of radiates, you know, but it's, a, it's the other part, the positive and the good that came out of that, that doesn't, I lost a friend off of that exact moment where I recognized the good in the negative and they were pissed because I wasn't acknowledging, I wasn't giving, um, I wasn't giving enough attention to the negative. I was focusing on the positive. And it's crazy because that's something that I live with and I'm like, would I have done anything different? Do I really feel like anything is wrong? All of these pieces come together. You know, our, my viewpoint was up for question, you know? And when I say good vibes, I genuinely mean good vibes. There's nothing that I can't see the good in. That is a that is something that I've trained myself to recognize. Please do not think or feel that I just magically have this instinct. Absolutely not. I have, you know, methodically, strategically, with faith, applied good energy to every piece of experience I've ever had, whether it be death or, um, you know, a failed opportunity or a missed opportunity or, you know, a scolding that I've received, you know, a, a experience where I've been, you know, abused or, you know, <clears throat> mistreated, you know, I've applied good energy to it. The reason for that is it's mind over matter, over circumstance, over everything that you're in. If mentally you cannot connect the dots in a way that is sustainable, you will struggle. You will be challenged by every step of the way. And as mothers and as individuals and as, you know, career women, you name it, we have a lot of weight that is given to us or expected of us because of the title that is there where, you know, we don't, you know, people don't feel like you need help. You don't need more information on how to figure this shit out. You know, you're expected to just figure it out because of the role or the title that you you have. But I'm here to tell you, it's it doesn't work like that. <laughs> that doesn't mean that you're gonna you're gonna get success. That doesn't mean you're gonna have outcomes that you're happy with. We all come with a story. We all come with an experience. We all come with, um, you know, predestined energy, and we have to be mindful about how and where we we apply those things and the self who then gives birth or receives a title or is asked to represent a role in another child's life is extremely, even foster moms, is extremely challenging because of the fact that this title or this expectation is now placed on you. This gift, this opportunity comes with its do's and don'ts, its expectations, its challenges, and there's a lot of evolving and learning and figuring out and, you know, navigating and conflicting and, you know, really, really toxic experiences that can come with that as well, too. And if you look at yourself and who you are, this is something that I really encourage everyone to do. Look at yourself and who you are. 
And by I mean, what I mean by that is childhood. What I mean by that is adulthood. So who you are prior to this, this, this change in your life, um, what that person, what that person looked like, what did, what, what did they consist of? What were the v- values and stuff like that? Now there, you're going to find holes. You're going to find setbacks. You're going to find wins. You're going to find, you know, um, imposter syndrome. Maybe you're going to find, you know, goals, aspirations, dreams. You're going to find all of those sort of things. Now, when you pull back that layer and you see that, you know, that flower bed, that foundation, whatever you want to call it, what were some of the areas in which you fell short? Now, some of our wholeness, if you will, comes from kids, comes from mothering, comes from kids and, and their environment and their innocence and their lack of understanding. But some of the, 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 the setbacks that we face also come from mothering because of the, the added responsibility or title or expectation or, you know, you know, experience. Now, Sam, you see the good and everything. Yes, I do. I think that kids or <clears throat> children in general are here to allow us to reflect, to recognize, and to give us an opportunity. But you don't always receive that opportunity if you dive into the experience with cutting corners, where, where you're choosing to only look at certain things or lean into certain things. And that's not something I really want to support or, or, you know, encourage and your viewpoints, your value system, all of those sort of things, you got to understand the full picture in order to be able to, you know, fully critique in my opinion, why and who you are right now. And some of you are feeling like a champion as, you know, a mother or a mother figure, um, some of you are feeling like shit, like you are not meeting your, you know, meeting expectations that you've set for yourself or society has set for yourself, which I don't even know why you worry about society, but that's either here nor there. Um, and so I'm here to pull that back. I'm here to rethink that. I'm here to unravel that and redirect that into something that's a lot more sustainable and a lot more, humbling and, and, and connected to who you are and the, who you are is the, the, who you are outside of the role, the title. Now, don't get me wrong. There are many experiences in which motherhood fuses, if you will, with the individual, but the core of it all, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. That premise circles back to the fact that we need to recognize ourselves outside of that role. And that's what this whole episode is about, to really make sure that we we lean in that direction and we understand that and our individuality, because when we are given the role or the role, you know, is given to us, um, there's a sharing that happens. There's a natural sense of like, I am no longer myself. I am for someone else or many someone else's. And the challenge with that is you create a space where individuality doesn't exist, self does not exist, and you sabotage yourself in so many ways. And I feel like I'm I'm targeting some people because of just my words, but I want you to acknowledge that this is with love because I want to uplift you experiencing a person who is within themselves and who is in and enjoys their love and their light 
and their essence is different than seeing someone who is crawling so someone else can walk. That to me creates a unrealistic, short-tempered, really lost, uh, miss opportunity type of individual. And I had to recognize that a lot of the mother figures that I had in my life struggled with that piece of identity, of individuality, of their own dreams and goals. There's this misconception that when you become a mother or you are a mother-like figure, you're expected to lose every single thing or, or, you know, drop every single thing of yourself for that child, children, community, village. Now, I want to be very clear. I do feel like there are times in which the priority is that child, children, or community. But I think it's also important to recognize how designing a life that includes you, that supports you, that um, is infused with you and your dreams and wants and desires is also beneficial to that child, community, or children. If you decide to sacrifice everything, that is a personal divine, and to you, that may feel like the greatest gift of life. But what it can also do, in my opinion, is stunt your growth. And seeing a mother-like figure or a mother figure in my life who has stunted their growth, and they're expecting me to basically climb on their shoulders and surpass that, In my opinion, they set the bar really low because during the time in which they were mothering me, they could have been growing as well too. Growing as an individual should not stop when you become a mother, as you become a mother, a mother figure, it should not stop. There are multiple things that can grow at different spaces in different times. Now, it can be an annual thing that you have a growth spurt. It can be a monthly thing. It doesn't, the, the rate is, is, is different for everyone. I'm not saying that everyone's going to grow at the same time, but what I am saying is that everyone should be growing whenever, however, it makes sense for them. So piggybacking off of that concept now growth, what does that mean? What, What are you talking about when you say she should be growing or they should be growing? What I mean by that is pursuing the wants, desires, dreams, hopes, wishes of themselves without the role or without the pressures or without the impact. And not to say to exclude what your child wants or what you, you know, they may inspire you. They may remind you, they may lead you, help you unlock certain things, but actively pursuing something that you're interested in, that you're curious about, that you want, um, that you hope for, that is not tied or expected by that child or children or community um, is essential to your evolution. And, you know, your faith has a lot, in my opinion, has a lot to do with that as well, too. And just how much, how committed are you to applying your your wants, your, 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 your viewpoints to life. 
Now, from personal experience, I'm going to talk about it more, my motherhood experience in next week's episode. So definitely check that out. And we're pausing our series. We do have someone else who I'm interviewing shortly that will be a part of our series, which will start again the first week in June. But, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I grew up. So my experience of a mother and all the, the roles that in which she played, you know, she had a career or maybe she didn't have a career. My mom personally, um, she was a, a homemaker at one point in time and then she started working and she's been working, you know, ever since. But, um, you know, it's challenging because there seems to be, and I say this because I want your perspective to be a little bit different. There seems to be so many things pulling at you, screaming at you, asking of you to do X, Y, and Z. And there's a reason for that. Mothers are not designed to be solo. That role is not designed or expected to be solo, but because of societal, you know, experiences, lack of, you know, um, confidence in certain, you know, in partners or communities or villages, um, access and understanding of being a dynamic supporter and, you know, playing your position. A lot of times that is the case. I grew up around a lot of single mothers and it's, it's very easy to drown, that's very, it's very easy to drown when you are operating as a multifaceted lifeline for one or several individuals. But the guilt that accompanies or the shame that accompanies that, um, that, that carving out that time or rearranging things so that way you can prioritize and you can acknowledge and even teach your children or child or community, um, that, I too matter and I too deserve to have some time um, can be really challenging, can be exhausting, can be overwhelming, can be really like eye-opening, you know, of who you are and what you are and what you believe in. There are very small areas in which you see women taking on um, themselves and their wants and needs and desires that are not um, viewed as like self-indulgent. So getting their hair done, your nails done, working out. But the thread behind that is a form of love, is a form of self-esteem, is a form of individuality, um, a commitment to yourself. Um, it's not always wrapped up in this idea that they are doing it to be malicious or selfish or not acknowledge the needs of their children. Um, and so the, the judgment that comes sometimes with seeing a mother who is well put together, it sends the signal that their child is missing out on being able to access their, you know, their mother at that time. Now, if you have a village, a system, and offering a community that can allow you the space and the time to explore yourself, to enjoy yourself, to represent yourself, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you try 
and test that out in small areas, whether it be, hey, for 30 minutes, I'm going to take a walk around the block. Can you just watch, you know, so-and-so, or can you be available for that? Um, I highly recommend you start carving out time in your life, especially for the mothers who um, are set to see their child either go to college or to move out or go to the, you know, the armed forces, or there's going to be a removal because the, the empty nest that is a heavy, heavy experience to have when you consume your life around child, a child or children, and then they're removed. A lot of times you're not looking forward to it. There's many things that you realize my reaction is I wake up, wake you up. I don't brush my teeth. I don't take care of me. I wake up, wake you up. You know, my, my reaction to life or reaction to a system or, you know, anything that I'm responsible with is to make sure that you are okay, you are intact, you are fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the reorganization of that can allow you to make sure, just like you do, you know, when you're in an airplane, make sure you have your oxygen mask on first before you put on your child's. And so that re that, that does the rearrangement of the experience will allow you the breathing room that you need in full breath capacity. And that's what I'm encouraging is making sure that you are giving yourself that that space. Now, there is a lot of guilt and shame and and you know challenges that exist when you're you're you know as far as being attached as a, a mother figure or a mother um that I even live with, you know, and I have to recognize and see myself in that mirror, see myself for wh- who I am to say, if I don't have it, I need to, I need to ask for help. I need to find it. Now, there are many people who can say, Sam, listen, I don't have anyone on this earth I can trust, I can believe in, I can acknowledge, I can um, allow my child to be with. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this real quick, short and sweet. Your reasons for that, I think we also need to check those those value points. It could mean there's harm. It could mean that there is um, uncertainty about what they can they that child will experience. It could mean that they just like physically cannot because of where they are. Maybe you're remote. Maybe culturally there are some barriers behind that. There isn't a sense of village. There's an expectation that the role requires that. You know, now being a mother and being an individual. Um, you can experience or you can perform those individualistic experiences without your child, with your child present, actually, and allowing your child to see you take care of yourself or see you um, prioritize yourself. I have family meetings where we talk about, hey, these are some changes that are going to happen. Let's sit down. Let's talk about them so I can help that child adjust or children adjust to the rearrangement or reprioritization and that child learn the role of helping and role and see the value in me shifting my behaviors to allow myself to be happier and healthier and more well, you know, more regulated emotionally. Um, it allows for a child to, to peep into the whole that is the, the mother, the aura of what motherhood, you know, represents. And it gives them an opportunity to recognize that it's not 
something that is should be just serving them all the time that they can serve as well too they can participate in the evolution and in the well-being of that um that mother like figure um and boundaries and limitations and all those sort of things exist as well too i don't want to shy away from those experiences but the goal in this episode is to acknowledge is to put on the table is to draw give hope and recognize, you know, who and what we are. Um, I became a um, godmom pretty early um, because of the fact that I felt like I wanted to just make sure I was accessible to a, a mother that did not have reliable um, individuals. I have been there for all of my close friends, you know, births at the hospital. I'm that, that friend, I'm that girl, you know, I'm that sister who is right there with you day of day before, like, that's just who I am. I, I'm that vessel. Um, after the fact, the christenings, the, the late nights, you know, anyone, you know, in my circle who's ever needed me or wanted me, or didn't even think they needed me. I'm there because I, I have a lot of empathy and sympathy for mothers and just how they're able to evolve their lives and to include a child. Um, more recently, I've been kind of processing that for myself because that is a very real um, experience that is expected to happen, hopefully in the next year or two, I say year, year and a half really, because time is a ticking. Um, but according to my partner, and that's not because I don't agree with him. I definitely do because I've been able to experience my twenties without children. I've waited to have children. Um, if you don't know, I, I did have an abortion pretty early on. I think it was 19 at the time. Um, because I recognized the partner and the environment in which I was going to be bringing a child in. And also me as an individual, I was not ready for a child. Anyone who knows me will say you are, you are going to be a fabulous mom and outstanding mom. And I don't doubt that because I do love kids. I think that's why I have such a, a large range of children that I have access to. And I mother in some way, shape or form, you know, seeing other people's kids run to me and scream my name and just seems, you know, seem so enlightened, so happy to see me. That warms my heart. That affirms me in the journey that I'm going to be taking. And I've been lucky enough to share lives and share moments and share experiences with other kids in ways that um, I never thought I would be able to. And I've taken the interest in doing this, and I'll talk about this in motherhood in general, but you know, I've taken interest in doing this, but I've been able to have myself in a sense that I've basically temporarily in different phases um, mothered other kids. I was with my nieces and nephews for three weeks at one time, one summer babysitting, you know, and, and setting up for birthday parties for them and everything under the sun. So I've had my taste of it. Now, I didn't bear the full weight and responsibility until I entered the relationship that I'm currently in. Um, but outside of that, I've been able to navigate a space of in and out, in and out, in and out. And it's really been challenging as far as 
switching and and exercising and knowing when to step in and when not to step in and you know when to allow the mother to take the responsibility or to take on the responsibility for them like that dynamic is is very unique um in its own self where it's it's convoluted because for me I naturally want what's best for the child but I know I can't get what's best for the child if I don't take care of myself so you know, recognizing how can I navigate things for myself with the child has been ultimately one of my goals, my biggest goals recently of just making sure that I am fully present, I'm fully aware, I'm fully there because I have to do my homework ahead of time in order to represent myself accordingly. So that's been interesting. Um, My faith has been developing a lot greater for God and just what he stands for and what he allows me to be able to do and leaning on him because I've been a very self-motivated individual um, for the most part. And, you know, who I am outside of the kids I'm attached to or connected to or I love and support is a creative, expressive, um, challenging, um, exploratory person that still has fire and desire to become something greater than herself and her legacy is can only exist in a bigger arena if I participate if I show up and I admire the mothers or mother figures who say even though it can feel like it's tearing me apart and the keyword is feel like that's an emotion when I decide to step away and pursue things for myself, I know that that outcome and that experience, that memory is defining for my kids. And I I admire that. I hats off to that because separating the emotion in our designed, um, you know, future and our expected, um, you know, destiny is a very um, challenging and unique experience to to do, to know that if I don't participate in my destiny, I'm going to miss out on my, 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 my road, my, my roadmap, my experience, my, um, my path. It's not something I'm willing to leave on the table because I understand that life is very short. So All of this, I say all of this to say, at the end of the day, we can only take with us so much. And as we teach our children, our kids to also be individuals and also to be um, self-serving in certain ways and recognize their own individualistic experiences, we can only, in my opinion, do a effective job if we model that. Now, sometimes even though we model it, we represent it, we, we acknowledge it, we talk about it, we, you know, all that we encourage it, that child or children don't always listen, (laughs) don't always find themselves in that space. But what we can say, or what we can live with, or should we live with is this idea that regardless of the circumstance, I have always represented myself or for the most part, or in general, I've represented myself in a a way that I believe in. 
that I preach, that I acknowledge, that I support, that I recognize. I never allowed things that I didn't connect with to impact me so deeply that it removed me from my values, my, my viewpoints. And if it did, or at some point, I always redirected myself back to where I originated or I want to be. And that is commendable. Being a mother, being a mother figure, being a mother-like um, individual to children, kids, a village, and a community is a very, adm- adm- you know, admired and upstanding experience. And I think all of the mother-like, you know, women that have helped mother me when I, there was a huge void and still is a huge void and separation of me and my mother. Couldn't have done it without you. Absolutely could not have done it without you. And still to this day, can't do it without you. There's many of them who are still in my life and represent that for me. And I can't thank you enough. You know, Mother's Day is just not, it's not grand enough um, of a gesture. I, I definitely appreciate it. And this, ep- this series is, is touching on so many different parts of motherhood. And I hope that you, you stick along with me this month of just supporting that and, and tuning in as we kind of unfold this conversation around mothers and motherhood and that whole experience. So next week will be about motherhood, specifically my, um, relationship with it and other mothers in my life and that sort of stuff. Um, and my understanding of it and all of those pieces and the things I, I deeply want for all forms of mothers. Um, and you know, the exciting experiences that we all get to share. Um, so definitely check that out. And if you aren't already, definitely subscribe. So that way I can see you. And I know you that you're there as that individual, because the information that I get is so vague. It's percentages. It doesn't tell me names. And I would love to shout you guys out. And I would love to acknowledge you and, and root for you, you know, because it definitely means a lot to me that you listen. So I can't wait to chat with you guys next week. And if you aren't already, Check out everything in me, IG, because that's where you'll find me more primary, um, more frequently. Right now, I am taking a social media break, so don't be you know alarmed if you don't see me. But I'll be back. I think it's just it's something that I do every so often to realign me and to starve my distractions. And so I hope you support that, and I can't wait to to acknowledge and see you guys soon. Until my next episode.